Welcome to the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Living the Dream Podcast with Curveball. I am your host, Curveball, and today I am joined by Steve Super. He is a motivational speaker. He also does credit repair, and we're going to be talking about that among anything else that he wants to talk about today. So, Steve, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you for inviting me. Let's start off by telling everybody where you're from and a little bit about yourself and what you do right now for a living. Okay. All right. Well, um, I, you can probably tell from the accent, I come from England, uh, but I've lived in uh, uh, the US for the last 25 years. And in those 25 years, I have built uh, six different financial companies from ground up. And I've employed over 15,000 people during that time. So I do know about building companies. I know a lot about finance. One of the biggest frustrations I've had in my life is, as you're probably aware, if you apply for a loan or a mortgage, these are things that I got involved with you need a certain credit. And if people have not got that credit score, they have gone off to credit repair companies to try and improve their score. And over the years, I've been extremely disappointed by the number of ineffectual credit repair companies there are out there. They're very quick to take your money, but they do very little in helping and educating clients. So, Obviously, knowing about this myself, it takes work. And I thought, you know what? Rather than hand this off to anybody else, I'm going to open a credit repair company and really, really look after people and help them achieve their goals. The name of my credit company, by the way, is Compassionate Credit Repair. Compassionate Credit Repair. That's a nice name, don't you think? Absolutely. I think that's a very nice name. And why do you feel that these credit repair companies do little to help these people? A lot of them, first of all, a lot of them don't actually know the laws or the legal ways of disputing credit on people's report. Um, They don't know the order in which it goes. They don't, there are certain tricks certain loopholes, certain things that you should be aware of if you're a credit repair company, and a lot of these companies aren't. Added to which, and this is what's really scary to me, is very few of these companies are actually licensed and bonded. And I'm not sure how I'd feel about trusting my credit with a company that's not legally registered or even licensed to do credit repair. So, We do things the professional way, the correct way, and we treat people like human beings, not like people who have made a mistake or people who have got into financial difficulty, but people who genuinely are having issues and they want to get away from a bad credit and everything that brings them to a good credit, 
with all the benefits that brings them. So let me ask you a question, Curtis, before we get started, now that I've given you the background. So I have a question for you. So here's my question. What do you think the biggest difference is between being rich or being poor? What's the biggest difference, do you think, between rich people and poor people? Have a guess. Go on, go for it. Well, in my opinion, um, it's how you feel inside and, and how you feel about yourself because you could be content in any situation. But as far as credit wise, it's probably going to be what you can get as far as uh, power and prestige, you know, and, and what they'll let you have. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. On, on the mental side, you're absolutely correct. But there's more to it. See, the reason I always ask that question is the answer that I get most of all is money. Rich people have lots of money. Poor people don't have money. So the biggest difference between being rich and being poor is having money. That's what most people would answer. But actually, that answer is wrong. The biggest difference between rich people and poor people, wait for this, is information. That's it, information. Nothing more, nothing less. Does that surprise you? Actually, that's a, a real good answer because if you don't if you don't know something, knowledge is power, basically. Ah, there you go, brother. You're exactly right. This is why the one percenters are the one percenters because they have knowledge and access to things that the rest of us just don't. They're not special. They don't. They're not from an alien planet. They just have access to information and more importantly, access to money that we don't have. Do you think, and let me ask you this again, Curtis, do you think that when a billionaire buys a house, he goes into his bank account, takes some money out and buys the house? Do you think that's how he buys a car? Do you think that's how he buys a plane? No, he doesn't do any of that. The funny thing is, these people buy their luxury goods with other people's money. Did you know that, Curtis? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. He probably there just uses his business deals instead of just going straight there into his go. account. There, into his bank account, just like the rest. Now, we're not like that. You and I, Curtis. I mean, if I need anything, I mean, yes, thank God I've got pretty good credit, but... <clears throat> a lot of people just buy things with, with the cash that they've got in their account. And I know this sounds a little bit strange, Curtis, but credit and the use of credit and being rich and being successful, it's all a game. It's all a game. I mean, at the end of the day, how much is a dollar worth? I mean, it's a green piece of paper. It's a fiat currency. And it's a promise to pay back. So actually, it's not worth anything, but it's a piece of paper. And we give it a lot more worth than it actually needs. People who are successful in life, people who are millionaires or people who have a good way of living, don't worry about money. They always have access to other people's money. Now, do you mind if I tell you a quick story, Curtis? Go right ahead. All right, so my mother 
God bless her, is 92 years of age. And she's an identical twin. <laughs> so there's two of them on this planet, both 92. They look the same. They sound the same. They talk the same. Even I find it difficult to tell the difference. But the only difference between these two twin sisters is 4.8 billion dollars. I'll say that again. 4.8 billion dollars. Now, let me ask you a question. Which twin do you think has the 4.8 billion? Do you think it's my mother or do you think it's my auntie? Have a guess. I would say it's probably your auntie. And it is. You're absolutely correct. Or aunt, as you would say. Sorry, I'm still English. Um, it's my aunt. You're absolutely correct. Now, I, on the other hand, my mother and my father were are really nice people. My father's passed, but we were poor as a church mice. Really, we couldn't afford anything growing up. And just because my mother's a twin, don't think for a minute that they were very generous and gave us lots of money because it doesn't work like that. So let me get to the point of the story. So the story actually is about my auntie. It's not about my mother, it's about my auntie. And it took place about 26 years ago, just before I left for America. So my auntie was celebrating her wedding anniversary with her wealthy husband. They lived in a huge house in a beautiful area in England, and they had this evening buffet under huge tents with lots of stars coming and famous musicians singing. It was a really big event, and it was being held in these four big tents in their back garden. Uh, and there were literally about 3,000 people there. So it was a huge event. So when I arrived, I arrived a little bit later, my nephew, that's my auntie's son, met me. And he said, hi, Steve, how are you? And I said, fine. Now, bear in mind, as I tell you the story, Curtis, my nephew is 10 years old. He's 10, or at least he was when, we, when this happened. So he said to me, do you, want, uh, do you want to give me your jacket? I think you've got your wallet there. Do you want me to put it in the house and look, it after, look after it for you so that you know, it doesn't get lost in the tents? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So he took my wallet, 10 years old, this kid. He opens it up and he takes out a credit card, 10 years of age. Could have been any credit card in there, but he picks one of them out of there and he says to me, you know, Uncle Steve, that credit card hasn't got a very good annual percentage rate. You're probably better switching to blah, 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 blah. And he gave me the name of another card. Ten years old, Curtis. Ten. He's telling me this, and I'm a grown adult. He's telling me which cards have better percentage rates. Now, I left the party being like thinking, what a spoiled little brat. He's ten years old. Who does he think he is? But as I got older, I began to understand one thing very clearly, is that kids from wealthy families are educated financially a lot better than the rest of us. See, when they sit down at dinner, you know, the kids don't talk about how the school day was or what they did in sports or what's on the television. Uh-uh. All they talk about is annual percentage rates, credit, debits, 
the FICO scores, the stock market, the government economic policies. And that's something that we never got. Did you ever get any education like that, Curtis? I would have to say I did not, but I can <laughs> see why your auntie is 4.8. There you go. There you difference. go. And we weren't. Now, my dad wasn't a bad guy. I mean, he's passed, he's passed along now. He wasn't a bad guy. He was a hardworking guy who worked very hard. He just wasn't very successful. And I, my memories of him, and he passed uh, about 20 years ago, are nothing but good. But he didn't give me the financial education or prepare me for what, what's happening in the world today. I had to go out and get it myself. Does that sound usual to you, Curtis? Do you think that people have to go out and educate themselves because they're not getting any help from anyone? You are right about people not getting that education. And yeah. what encouraged you to get that education about money and finance and credit? That's a great, that's a great question. Well, I mean, it kind of, it was a little bit easier for me because I've been working in the finance industry for the last 30 years. So obviously, as I began to learn my job and my trade and what was involved, I began to understand how finance works, how credit works, how credit scores work. I began to understand all of that. And the more I understood, the more I was able to put myself in a great financial situation. Now, again, let's talk about COVID for a minute, because this is important. So what you probably don't know, Curtis, is that uh, yesterday in the United Kingdom, they announced uh, the second uh, home housing from COVID. <clears throat> Excuse me. So people are forced to stay in their homes. And actually, it's a lot worse now. They won't even let you go and visit your next door neighbor. So the second lockdown has begun in England. And we are not far behind. Now, the last few months have been horrible for everybody. Would you agree with that, Curtis? They've been horrible. Yes, I would. And right. it could get worse coming it up. It is going to get worse. It's no doubt. Now, how have the government helped us? Well, I'll tell you how they've helped us. They've given us a check for $1,200 to last six months. That's $200 a month. How can you pay your bills, your rent, all your, everything you've got to pay on $200 a month? You can't. And if you sat here thinking the government is going to help you so you're not worried, Guess what? They're not. I really believe that. So here's why it's about credit and it's about FICO scores and everything else. I have access to about, roughly speaking, I would say about $500,000 in credit. Now, I didn't get there immediately. I've built my credit up. I've looked after it. I've been pretty good with it. So in the event of an emergency, if I have no more money, I can get $500,000 out, which is good for me. But I also know I'm one of the lucky few because most people at the moment have very, very poor credit or bad credit. They owe money, they have collections after them, maybe they have tax liens. They're in a dire situation. I can help those 
people. And that's what this is about. If you fix your credit, if you get it up to 700 plus, you never have to worry about any emergency because you will always have access to money. And the big thing is OPM money. Do you know what OPM stands for, Curtis? I do not. Enlighten us. Other people's money. That's how rich people spend money. Other people's money. If I needed 500,000, I could get any one of 10 credit cards, get the money off them immediately on a 0% interest. And guess what? I'm okay. I'm not panicking. But I'm in the minority and my job is to help as many people as possible get good credit and have access to money so that when COVID-2 comes around, you're not sat there thinking, oh Lord, what am I going to do? But isn't that borrowing from Peter to pay Paul because you might can get $500,000 off a card like that, but you're, you're going to have to pay it back. Of course I am. But one would assume, well, first of all, let's, let's explain a couple of things. First of all, every single credit card I personally have and every card that most of my clients have, have a cash back scenario. So in other words, if you spend a certain amount of money, the credit cards give you, the, the credit companies give you money back at 0% interest. So your bills are not going to stop. You've got to pay them somehow. But assuming that the economy will eventually right itself, then credit is the way to get by. Absolutely. It's the only way to get by. Does that make sense, Curtis? Yes, it absolutely does not, make sense. Just, Right. Just so you know, and I don't know your credit score, Curtis, it's none of my business, but if you have a credit score of round about 640, which is pretty bad credit, to be honest with you, you can potentially get a credit card, but it won't be at 0% interest. You'll have to pay for it. And it's a secured credit card. So if you don't pay it back, they can come after you. Once you hit the 700 mark, you're looking at credit cards with 0% interest. You're looking at credit cards with cash back. That's a different scenario. Now, do I feel that you should live your life on credit? Absolutely not. But let's not kid ourselves. This is about emergency funds and access to them. Because if you and I are living with each other or live next to each other, rather, you have a 600 credit score and I've got a 700 credit score and the government doesn't help. Where are you going to get your money from, my friend? Can you tell me, Curtis? Yeah, that makes sense. And speaking of that, talk briefly, about the, talk briefly about the financial companies that you built from scratch and what were their goals and how did they operate? Okay. Um, well... Most of the four of the companies that I built were on uh, were in the mortgage industry. Um, as I said, I started off 25 years ago. Uh, my first company was, I, I want to be a little bit cautious about naming names because I've sold uh, three of them. And, <laughs> and the owners obviously want to claim it's theirs from the get-go. So uh, the four companies that I built were all involved in domestic mortgages. Uh, the last one that I built uh, for a company called uh, 
Greenwood and Hall was a, a mortgage company that employed over 3,000 people um, and was very, very successful and went from strength to strength until the 2008 market collapse. And when everybody who was in the mortgage business lost everything, including me, by the way. I actually ended up homeless for a short period of time. Um, but after six months, I managed to pick myself up and build another company um, called the Small Business Profit, which does business loans. And from there, I opened my newest company, Compassionate Credit Repair. So my goal with all these companies has been absolutely identical. It's to act as a resource for the general public and really look after people and educate them and help them and care about them. To most credit companies or most mortgage companies, you're just a number. You really don't mean anything individually. But to me, I care about every single client that I've got on board. And my clients, some of my clients have been friends with me for life. Uh, I go to their house for dinner, they come to my house for dinner. But basically, I find joy in taking someone from a really bad position. Like, hey, I've got the debt collectors after me, I've got a tax lien, I've got a judgment, I'm thinking of maybe going bankrupt. Those are the people that I love helping the most because I can change their life through finance. And believe me, Curtis, there's nothing better than taking someone who's got poor credit, who sits at home crying every night. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They just need help. And I help them and put them in a better position. Believe me, there's nothing more gratifying in the entire world. So let's talk about compassionate credit repair. Sure. When, when somebody calls you, Walk us through the steps of when they call you, what is the process, what do you do for them, and how do you help them and go about getting them back on the right track? That's a good, oh, what a great question that is, Curtis. So the first thing I want to know when somebody calls me um, on the credit side is, are you the kind of person that checks your credit regularly, or do you just ignore it? Do you ignore it because you think your credit scores are so low that you don't even want to look at it? Because I want to know where they're at. And once I've got that answer, I kind of know the type of person that I'm dealing with. Now, the most common, and I think we kind of alluded to this, are people that suffer from what we call the ostrich syndrome. Now, what I mean by that is the world is bad, I'm having problems, I'm not gonna deal with them, I'm just gonna stick my head in the stand and hopefully it'll all go away in a few months. That's very common, especially in the US. You'd be amazed at how many people I speak to who have this attitude. In fact, <clears throat> my beautiful wife had exactly the same attitude about it. She didn't wanna look at her credit, she thought it was too bad, et cetera, et cetera. And she's married to me. So when we first met, I said, you, honey, you've got to start looking at your credit. You've got to start building it. You never know when you need it. So I talked to her after five years of marriage, Curtis. She didn't listen to me for five years. I don't know what made her change her mind. I think she was maybe watching Dr. Phil or something like that. And she agreed to pull her credit and we had a look at it. 
And she was right. Her credit was 480, which by the way, if you've got a 480 credit score, it's so bad that you can't get a car with it. You can't probably not get a job with it because a lot of employers are looking at credit scores. You can't rent an apartment. You can't get a house. There are so many things that you can't do. And if somebody enables you to do them, you're going to be paying a huge amount of interest just for the benefit. So a 480 score was critical to her. Within three months of working with me, and we did this together, we got her credit score up to 742 in three months. So first of all, I want to tell people that there's hope. There's absolute hope. You don't have to be in despair. But I want people to understand what the credit score actually affects. So number one, it can affect, uh, just to go over a few things again, the finance or purchase of either a home or a car. It affects how much extra interest you pay. Curtis, if you have a 580 credit score and I have a 740 credit score, and we both go out and finance a Honda over four years, you, my friend, will pay $16,000 more in interest rates than me. Were you aware of that, Curtis? 16,000. Think of that. All because of a credit score. It affects your ability to rent a house or an apartment even getting a job or even getting life insurance now. And again, I want people to be aware of COVID about a second lockdown. And I want to hear what people tell me when I, when I say, what happens if you run out of money? What are you going to do? And there is no answer to that because the government won't help. So having said that, we've talked about bad credit scores. Let's talk about what a good credit score would get you. So a good credit score will give you access to emergency money at low rates, very often 0% interest rates. And a lot of these companies even offer you cash back. So for every $1,000 you spend, they'll give you 3 or 4% back. So as you can see, the difference between having good credit and bad credit is huge. Now, you're probably not aware of this, but there are millions and millions of errors on credit reports. There are incorrect dates, incorrect spelling of names, incorrect ages, many, many other things. So even a valid account that's on your credit report can be invalidated by a simple reporting error because credit bureaus, creditors, and collection agencies are held to strict state and federal rules about how they report your credit. So as a company, Compassionate Credit, we've been able to remove thousands of inquiries, late payments, charge-offs, collections, repossessions, judgments, tax liens, even bankruptcies, all because these debt collectors, these creditors, and the credit bureaus are bad at keeping records and they're not following the letter of the law. Just so you know, by the way, the law we're talking about, Curtis, is the Fair Credit Reporting Act. And according to that act, 
an item on the report must be removed if it's either inaccurate, it's incomplete, or thirdly, it's unverifiable. And what we do is we get them going to work to make sure that everything they've got is verified and legal and correct. In 80% of the cases, it's not. And that's how people move from a 480 credit score to a 700 within four or five months. Does that make sense, Curtis? It does, it does make sense. And it's great that you guys do that because most credit repair companies will say, okay, we got your credit report. We'll charge you $1,500 and we'll get with the creditors and you pay that for five years. Oh my God. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, 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 brother. No, no. <laughs> we don't work that way. So the first thing we do with our clients actually before they become clients is um, we have a look at their credit because We'd love to say we can help everybody, and in most cases we can, but there may be few people out there that we literally can't help. So the first thing we do is we give out a free, absolutely free, you don't pay for it, a credit analysis, so that you know exactly where you're up to, what the good things are on your credit, what the bad things are on your credit. And then we talk and I tell them what my strategy is, and if they like it, they become a client. And if they don't like it, then, hey, they don't become a client. It's as simple as that. But my job really is not just to fix people's credit, is to educate you to make sure that if we fix it and you get to 700, that you never drop down to 500 or 400 because you'll have wasted all your time and effort and money. So it's not just a question of getting there. It's a question of knowing how to maintain that credit report. Does that make sense? Yes. And are you guys a um, local company or do you work nationwide or worldwide? We, we, or? Well, actually, it's, it's real. Um, again, I'm glad you said that because um, we are licensed and bonded. Now, um, if you give me one second, just give me one second. Hold on. We are not, Curtis, licensed and bonded in every single state. But I will tell you the states that we can help people. So Alabama, Alaska, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Georgia, Guam, Hawaii, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, North Dakota, Rhode Island, Southern California, uh, Carolina, South Dakota, Vermont, the Virgin Islands, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Those are the places that we cover. Are you in any of those places, by the way, Curtis? Yes, I am in Kansas. And oh, what good. I'm going to have you, you do is give out contact information. So that way, you know, websites, social medias, that way people in those states, yeah. if they need you, can contact you because I've never heard this model before with the credit repair company. Oh, well, there you go. All right. So first of all, the name of the company is Compassionate Credit Repair. Compassionate Credit Repair. Uh, by the way, if you want to check us on Facebook, we have a group, Compassionate Credit Repair, how to go from bad credit to a 700 plus credit score. 
And we also have a page, a Compassionate Credit Repair page. We're also on LinkedIn. We're on every single social media you can think of. Um, if you want to call me direct, just give me one second. The number to reach us is uh, 888 702, and then it's FICO, which is 3426. So 888 702 FICO, which is 3426. It's a toll free number. If any of your listeners want to call me, just have a general chat. I'm not a pushy guy. I'm not here to force you to be a client or anyone to be a client. I'm here just to offer assistance and help. And by the way, occasionally, we even help people who can't afford to pay for the service. So, you know, it depends. We're very, the name Compassionate Credit is important to us because we look after people. So we have a, we have a big deal going on with vets. Uh, we help vets at very little charge um, and other people as well. So you can get hold of me really easily, Compassionate Credit Repair. Uh, we've got a website as well. So we have everything. We're all over LinkedIn. We're all over Facebook. 888-702-3426. Uh, and again, go ahead and give out that website as well. Yep. It's CompassionateCreditRepair.com. Now, let me ask you, have you ever thought about writing a book, uh, putting all this information into a book? You know, it's so funny that you say that. It really is because um, <laughs> there's two, I'm going to let you in on a secret here. There's two things I've never done in my life that I really, really want to do. One of them is, and you're probably going to laugh when I say this, is be a car salesman. I've always wanted to sell cars. Now, when I say cars, I want to be, I'm talking about Ferraris and Rolls Royces, not talking about Hondas. I'm talking about high-end cars. I'd love to sell high-end cars. Uh, that's number one. And the second thing I want to do <clears throat> is write a book, funnily enough, because you just asked me. But literally, running these companies and doing all this stuff, I just simply don't have the time. Um, I probably will when I retire, but God knows when that will be. But I'd love to help people. We've got, by the way, we're setting up a YouTube channel with a lot of helpful information on that and a lot of life information on that as well. So again, hopefully that will help people. Well, even if you didn't write a book, maybe you set up some kind of podcast and give all this information out. Yeah, just but hey, like I'm, not you're as, I'm not, as, you're right, Curtis, but I'm not as talented as you. <laughs> I'm really not. I wish I was talented that way, but I'm not. You can't all be good at everything, you know? Podcast is your thing. You're going to be huge, Curtis. Absolutely huge. I have no doubt about that. Um, it's just not my thing. But you're right. Podcast would be a great way to go. I just don't have the time for it at the moment. Right. Is there anything else that you want to tell people that we haven't covered? Yeah, I just want to say, um, I want to say this. You know, um, there's a show in England, or there was a show in England growing up called The Prisoner, which uh, you, you can actually, if you YouTube it, you can actually see it. It's a very old show and it's a very weird show. And it, I can't even begin to explain to you what it's about. But the opening, the opening theme, if you like, of this show, The Prisoner, was a voice that came from left field that said, 
you are not a name, you are a number. It was a science fiction show, by the way. So the, the, the narrator said, you are not a name, you are a number. The sad truth is, that's exactly what we are today. We're not names, we're just numbers. Once you understand that and adopt it as reality, then you can do magnificent things with the numbers that you represent. But you don't want to be a 480 credit score. You want to be an 800 credit score and see what opportunities that opens up to you because you would not believe it. If I was to tell you, Curtis, some of the benefits of having great credit, freebies that get thrown my way and the lifestyle that I live. Do you know I've not paid for a hotel or a flight for about 15 years? They've all come from credit cards. Every hotel, and I stay at really nice hotels, every flight, I go to Maui a hell of a lot and stay at the Four Seasons, never paid for a single flight. Now, I'm not boasting. I'm saying I understand the credit game. I know how to get on top of it, and I know how to maximize what you have. And the big thing I've got that a lot of people don't have with a bad credit score is options. Now, I'm not saying this to boast or say, hey, look how great I am. I'm saying this is a journey. Let me take you by the hand and bring you with it. Bring you on with this journey so that you know what it's like to have a great credit score. So you know what it's like to walk into a car dealership and have the sales guys fighting over you. It's just, a, it's great. It's awesome, honestly. And... Believe me, the difference between a bad credit score and a good credit score in many cases could be a couple of months. That's it. So anyway, listen, I've taken up all, all the, enough of your time. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I, I hope I didn't talk too much, did I, Curtis? No, you did great. And go ahead and throw out that website one more time before we go. So the website again is www.compassionate creditrepair.com my buddy says no one will ever find you because they can't spell compassionate and i said ah you're wrong but in case you can't spell compassionate it's c-o-m-p-a-s-s-i-o-n-a-t-e compassionate credit repair so it's www.compassionatecreditrepair.com our phone number is 888-702-3400 if you want to call me and just have a chat i'll be more than happy to talk to anybody ladies and gentlemen steve super thank you for joining me steve that was a super interview thank you curtis i appreciated it god bless for more information on the living the dream podcast visit www.djcurveball.com until next time stay focused on living the dream